Would you turn to James 5, please, this morning? James chapter 5. Let's continue with our series that we began two weeks ago. In James 5 and verse 13. Well, before we read this, let's just pray one more time. You know, uh, you're not limited to what I know. In receiving this morning, the Holy Spirit is our teacher. And if you release faith, he'll say things to you. You know, I've gotten revelation and been ministered to in situations where I was convinced somebody was teaching error. You might say, how you figure? Well, while they were saying some things, the Lord was showing me other scriptures about it. And he's our teacher. Amen. Amen. Said out loud, the Holy Spirit's my teacher. I'll receive something good. good. Father, we do. We lift up our hearts before you and we acknowledge the presence of our holy teacher and the perfect, perfect word that you've given us. We say your word is life to us and health to all of our flesh. You quicken us with your word. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear and a heart that's receptive. Thank you for utterance full and complete. Grant answers to questions right now. Direction and help. Solutions right now. And we purpose not to be hearers only, but by your grace we'll be doers. And we know as we do the word, you're faithful to watch over it and perform it in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. James five thirteen. He said, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Let him do what? Are you going through a rough time? Trial and test? What do you do? Worry? Fret? Ask 90 people what they think you ought to do? (laughs) That's what most folks do. What do you do? You're going through a rough time. What do you do? Pray. 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 Now, you know, uh, Brother Hagin My spiritual father, who's gone home to be with the Lord now, he used to say it like this all the time. He said, notice it said, let him pray. Right? The next phrase says, is any merry, let him sing psalms. And Brother Hagin said it like this. He said, you know, if I was merry, I wouldn't come, you know, uh, to somebody else. You know, I wouldn't come to Mike over here and say, Mike, I'm merry. Sing. (laughs) Right? And yet people do that in the prayer, don't they? I'm going through a rough time. You pray. Well, no, you pray. (laughs) Right? There's a lot of uh, wasted motion in the area of prayer. There's a lot of misconceptions about prayer. And as we told you week before last, the Lord has given us directions. And I believe the unction and grace and revelation to do it. To teach on the subject of prayer. And we're beginning now a series called Prayer Principles. And that this is a big key to our next phase of development. Is us growing and developing in prayer. But there's so much misconception in the area of prayer. And there's a lot of error where prayer is concerned. Prayer, true prayer, genuine prayer. Is one of the most powerful things That I know of anything about. Erroneous prayer. Improper prayer. Is one of the most divisive. And destructive things. I have ever witnessed. 
I could stand here today and tell you of church after church after church that has been split and divided and seemingly almost irreparably damaged by wrong prayer. And of course, any church that you see that's thriving and going good and great fruit, you know there's some good prayer involved in that. Right? And so... uh Here's one area where people, you know, think wrong. They're always wanting somebody else to pray for me. Well, it's not wrong for somebody to pray for you, but you know you want to develop and grow up. I mean, you know, if you were hurt and couldn't get out, I might come by and cut your grass. Might. (laughs) It's possible. But let's say you're all healed up, you know. And, uh... It's been, uh, you know, six months, and you're just fine and healthy and strong, and you still want me to come cut your grass. Well, that's not right. Cut your own grass. <laughs> right? Wash your own clothes. Take care of your own stuff. Do your own praying. So a lot of babies are in a habit of every time something comes up, they come up to folk and go, y'all pray for me. Pray for me. Well, are you praying for yourself? And mature people are taking care of their own business in prayer, plus praying for babies that don't know how to pray, helping people that are just getting started. So don't just be in a habit of coming up to people and say, pray for me. Y'all pray for me. Well, no, if you can take care of it, you take care of it. Do your own praying. (laughs) Boy, it's quiet in here. (laughs) Well, I ain't taking it back. It's right there in the Bible. Are you afflicted? Are you going through a trial? Are you going through a test? Do what? Let him pray. Now keep reading and you see the other side of this. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray. Now if you look up this word sick and look up the words in the verse, you'll see that the connotation is somebody who is weak without strength. This is somebody that's in such a way that they're about out of strength. I mean, they need help. They're at a place where they need somebody to help them. Well, then thank God, in such cases, then people can help. Right? And we ought to rally around each other when people are weak and without strength. But uh, when you can, you do your own praying. And you're really in dire straits and without strength. And other people can help you. Let them pray. And uh, he said, over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith. Not just any kind of prayer, but the prayer of faith. She'll save the sick. The Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Effective prayer of godly people avails much. In this case, it affected the heavens, it changed the whole atmosphere, it changed the cycle of rains and things in the earth. There was a holding back and there was a release because one man prayed effectively. 
Right? Can effective prayer change things in the earth? Well, now let me clarify that. I mean, that's a true statement. But sometimes people take that and overemphasize. And there are those who have made many, many who have made prayer virtually a religion unto itself. And to hear them talk, prayer is the answer to everything. Prayer is the source of everything. And prayer is the solution for everything. And therefore prayer gets the credit for everything. Well, of course, if prayer gets the credit, who did the praying? That means the prayers get the credit for everything. No, prayer is not the source of everything. Prayer is not the solution of everything. God is the source of everything. Did you hear me? No. People get off in these areas. For instance, you know... um, I've heard people say it before, and I know maybe they may not be realizing exactly what they're saying, but somebody comes in and gets saved. And I've seen prayers stand up and take credit for it. Well, we birthed them in. We prayed them in. Well, (laughs) if you prayed and obeyed God, that's wonderful. That's commendable that you had a part, but it was just a part. I mean, what about the other people? What about their mama and their grandma and their daddy? Been praying for them for decades. What about the people that invited them to church? What about the parking lot attendant that was real friendly to them so that when they were tempted to just turn around and leave, they didn't. They stayed. What about the message that was preached? What about the Holy Ghost who dealt with them and showed them the light? What about Jesus? Who died for him and paid the price. What about God? Who heard and answered the prayer. Do you see what I'm saying? There's too much credit given to what people do. You know, uh, same thing is true about faith. I know years ago as a Rhema student, I had heard people use this phrase and I just used it, you know, without thinking. And you get in trouble when you use borrowed phraseology and you're not quoting Bible verses. When I tell this, you'll see what I'm saying. Sometimes it's not so much that the phrase is technically wrong. It's just how you're thinking when you say it. We had gotten a car, a good used car, which was a big step up for us because we didn't have a good car of any kind. And I mean, this was a real step up for us. What was it? It was a uh, Oldsmobile. What was it? Tornado? Yeah, it was a black and silver two-tone Tornado. It was nice, man. And the Lord helped us get that. And somebody asked me, man, how'd you get that? I said, boy, we believed for that thing. And they went on. And uh, when I said that, something bothered me in here. Man, we believed for it. We believed it in. And I didn't know exactly what was wrong with that, you know, but something bothered me. And, And later on in a time of prayer, that came up in me again. About when I said that, it bothered me. I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, is something wrong with that? Did I see that? He began to speak to me. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but inside me. He said, well, he said, sure, you did believe me for it. He said, and that's commendable. He said, but uh, what about the faith that you believed me with? Where'd that come from? I said, well, that's your faith. That's a measure of your faith. He said, how'd you get it? I said, it came from your word. He said, and how'd you see it? I said, well, your spirit revealed it to me. And, and, <laughs> and your ministers preached it to me. And 
He said, and didn't you think about quitting and giving up on that several times? And I sustained you. I said, yes, sir. He said, and then uh, who brought it to pass for you? I said, well, you did. He said, well, it was uh, my faith and my word and my spirit, my ministers that are gifts to you and my grace that sustains you and my influence and power and provision that did it. And he said, and I wasn't even mentioned. You just said, I believe for it. Do you see what we're talking about? Whether it's prayer or it's faith, whatever it is, beware of putting the emphasis on what we do and giving all the glory and credit for that. No, no, our prayer is to our God. Amen. And it's not just prayer that does it. Prayer gives God a legal right to do things in our life. That's why it's so important. But it's God who does it and God who gets the glory, not prayer. Are you with me? Faith gives God a legal right to move for us. And so faith is so vital and important. But our faith doesn't get the glory and the credit. It's our God who responds to our faith. Amen. Saves us, heals us, takes care of us. He gets the glory and he gets all the glory. Can you say amen? All the glory. In uh, James 5, let's read that, uh, that verse again. In verse 16, let me read this to you from the Amplified. It says, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Now let me review a little bit for those of you who were not with us. This is our second lesson on prayer principles. First thing we asked was, what is prayer? And we said to you, I think one of the most basic and simple definitions of prayer is, somebody said, well, prayer is talking to God. No, prayer is more than that. Prayer is communion with God. It must be more than you talking to God. We should do a lot of listening in prayer. Right? Prayer is more than asking God to do something. Prayer is communion with God. You fellowship with Him. You talk to Him. Now when you get this concept and it becomes real, then you're no longer looking at mentality and phraseology like, well, i got to put in my prayer time. Like you're punching the clock. I mean, you take a couple a man and a woman who are engaged and, you know, they're head over heels in love and it's just a few weeks before the wedding and that kind of thing. They don't spend time together on a date or something and come back and say, man, you know, I was able to talk to her for 30 minutes. Yeah, I put in an hour talking to her. (laughs) Man, I went two hours talking to him. No, I mean time just passes, right? And you don't think about it. Why? Because you're enjoying the fellowship. You're enjoying the communion. You're not putting in time. Did you hear me? When people are so-called just putting in prayer time, then the biggest thing they're cognizant of is I'm praying. I'm praying. And when you're thinking, I'm praying, oh, I'm praying, I'm praying, who I'm praying, then you ain't. You're aware of yourself. 
Real prayer is aware of God. Amen. You're aware that you're talking to him, but you're aware that he's talking to you. You're aware that he's leading you. It's communion. Did you hear me? And the more, I mean, when you're praying, if you're really aware of what you're saying and what you're thinking and how you're sounding or in public prayer, you're acutely aware of what somebody else is praying around about you. You're not in the spirit. You're in the flesh and you're not praying effective prayer. The more effective you're praying, the more aware of God you are and the less aware of anything around you you are. More in the spirit you get. Doesn't mean you're in a trance. Doesn't mean you passed out. (laughs) You're just not as aware of natural things. You're aware of him whom you're speaking to and him whom you're listening to. Right? And God can become so real to you. And prayer can become such a real thing of communion with God that you don't put in your time. Man, you look forward to when you can get alone with God. Amen. And you stay all day with God. Amen. Communing with Him. And you don't just have to be knelt down by the bed. You commune with God while you're riding your car. You commune with God while you make your bed or sweep your floor or prepare your breakfast. And that's when you get into praying without ceasing. Doesn't mean you literally pray every breath out of your mouth, but you live in a continued state of communion with God. You're constantly aware of Him and talking to Him, and He's talking to you. Amen. So, in one sense, this should be prayer right now. Right? God's talking to us, we're talking to Him in our heart, right? Amen. So, prayer is communion with God. Now also, in talking about praying, we said, uh, you know, one of the big things that Jesus talked about, we're going to go into some of this in detail, and about what real prayer is, is that it is sincere. Jesus warned us about vain repetitions, and he warned us about praying in pretense. He talked about religious leaders of his day that made long prayers in pretense. What does that mean? They're praying for other people to see them. They're praying with other people in mind that they're listening to me. They're praying thinking I'm a great prayer. Oh, now watch. I'm going to show you how to pray. Watch me. Listen to me. Whoo, I'm a prayer. <laughs> no, you ain't. <laughs> Did you hear me? I mean, that's true in anything. I mean, if I get to the place where I'm thinking, whoo, I'm a preacher. I kid you. Whoo, I'm a preacher. Nah, you ain't. Uh-uh. Brother Hagen, years ago, he said, uh, he and another group of young ministers was in this meeting, and he saw this fellow, a huge conference, and said, this man had such an anointing on him to uh, get people saved. He said, uh, a real, you know, evangelistic salvation message. And he said he'd been in meetings where somebody had already given an altar call. And this guy get up behind them and give another altar call and just get ten times the people that had already come down. And I mean, just obvious that it was anointing. It was grace. I mean, people have just swarmed to the altar calls. And he said to him and some of these younger ministers gathered around this guy after a service. And you don't want to know, you know, praise God, man. You know, what altar calls? Uh, he said the guy looked over at him and reached over and took his tie. And pulled it like that and said, well, i tell you one thing. When I can't get them, nobody can. And he said, uh, the Spirit of God spoke to him and said, now his ministry will begin to go down. Oh, 
a man. See, pride goes before a fall. You get to thinking, well, it's because of me. It's because of my prayer. It's because of my preaching. It's because No, it's because of God. I said it's because of God. And if you've been used, then thank God and glory in that. But don't try to take the credit for what God did. Right? I mean, if people came to the altar, it's because God drew them. Right? He dealt with them. He got them there. You don't dare take credit for that. Great things happen. It's because God answered prayer. You don't take credit for it because you prayed. Right? Are you all with me? So, uh, sincerely, not vain repetitions. You know, beware of using tones you don't normally use when you pray. Tones. Beware of using words and phrases you don't normally use. Oh, God, we thank Thee that Thou art with us today. Durst Thou be pleased to receive our lowly and humble. You don't talk to me like that. Why you talk to him like that? See, it's put on. It's fake. Or if it's not Elizabethan English, it's something else. I mean, people screw up their face. And they get this intense look. And, and, they, and Well, no. I mean, you wouldn't talk to the president like that. I mean, you wouldn't. Or just, oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Do that for 12 minutes, you know. And he's going, what? What? Say what you mean. Mean what you say. Right? Beware of getting into these religious but unscriptural modes and and vain repetitions. Jesus warned us about this. Never try to impress God with your humility. (laughs) Oh God, we don't want anything except to love you. And, And he sees right through you. He knows. What you're leading up to and where you're going. You can't set him up. You can't, you can't con him. <laughs> How many know what I'm saying? There's a lot of junk. A lot of junk that goes on in the area of prayer. And so, and so all this stuff is not answered. The scripture said that the Lord does not regard vanity. He doesn't hear it. He just doesn't hear it. Oh, but friend, he hears an honest heart. Amen. And he hears a faith request. We don't want to pray in vain. We want to pray effectively. Right? We said to you, we pray to the Father God in Jesus' name. Amen. And beware of using the name in vain. We don't use the word God. The word Jesus. The word Lord. We don't use any of these words as by words. Most everybody knows you don't use the word damn. And the word God together. That's bad. That's cussing. But what a lot of folk don't see. Is there's a lot of things that's in the same company with that. I mean when teenagers. You know. Yell out. Oh my God. That's virtually the same kind of thing as what people call cussing because you're not talking to God and you're not talking about God. You're using the Lord's name in vain. 
People say, Jesus Christ. I mean, that's just as bad as cussing. Did you hear me? You don't do that kind of thing. When you say Jesus, you better be talking to the master or you're talking about him. Right? And when we come before the Father in that great name, this is our access to him. This is our right to prayer. It's holy. We don't throw it around. Right? And we said, the Bible teaches us, Jesus said, in that day you'll ask me nothing. Who do you pray to? Prayer proper is not to the Holy Spirit. Prayer proper is not even to Jesus. Prayer proper is to the Father in Jesus' name. That doesn't mean you can't talk to the Holy Spirit. Doesn't mean you can't talk to Jesus. But Jesus himself said, in that day you'll ask me nothing. Whatever you ask the Father in my name. Well, if that's the case, if there was somebody, we couldn't go to the Father directly. We'd have to go to Jesus. That would be the way. But then some people try to set up other saints. And they say, well, you've got to go through Mary. Or you've got to go through Paul. Or, you know, St. Christopher. Or, no, no, no. You don't pray to Mary. And you don't pray to Paul. And you don't pray to any of the saints. And you don't pray to any of the apostles. And you don't pray to any of our forefathers. Did you hear me? Who do you pray to? See, this is the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. That means you don't pray to anybody else. Right? We pray to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we approach him in Jesus' name. We don't pray to any statue. We don't count beads. We don't pray to any pictures. Do you hear me? Because he told us in the Ten Commandments, you know, he said, you know, you have no likenesses, no statues, none of that kind of stuff. Right? I know people do it, but it's in the Bible. You don't do it. So that brings us to the next thing. Please go to Matthew, the fifth chapter. Matthew chapter five. Now, you know, if you hear something in any of these things and you think I'm wrong, I'm a man. I could miss it. I could be wrong. But uh, don't just say, well, I don't agree, you know, you're wrong. Well, uh, here's what you do. Like what we just got through talking about. Go get the tape from last week. Listen to it carefully. Go over every scripture that we turn to. Look at it. Think about it. And then if you're convinced, well, you're wrong, Brother Keith, then find the scriptures that prove that we're wrong and bring them to us. Scriptures. Did you hear me? Now, if you don't have any scriptures, then you've got no right to believe it. People say, well, i got a right to what I want to believe. No, you don't. I don't have a right to just believe anything I want to believe. You don't have a right to believe just anything you want to believe. As Christians, we're committed to believing the Bible. Right? This is our foundation of faith. And in order for something to be scriptural, you must have scriptures. No scriptures means not scriptural. Right? means don't base your life on it. (laughs) You do understand men believe a whole host of things that are unscriptural. I'm talking about church people. Believe all kind of stuff. I had a lady come to me one time aggravated about something I taught. She said, well, no, no, I don't believe that. I believe this. She said, it's just like the old song says. I said, the what? She said, the old song. Well, she's quoting this song to me like it's scripture. And it was contrary to scripture but she was holding up to me like it was a bible verse it's like the song says brother Keith. 
Well, I'm sorry, but the song does not hold the weight that the Bible does. <laughs> I must say, well, my preacher says this. What scriptures did he use? What scriptures did they use? Right? If they didn't use any scriptures, it's just their opinion. Right? Don't base your life on people's opinions, including your, your own. <laughs> base it on something solid. Hallelujah. You remember Jesus said, you know, he said, the person who hears my words and doesn't do them is like a man who builds his house on sand. He just throws it up quick and it looks like he's okay for a while. But then when the storm comes, he doesn't have the foundation and he doesn't stand. And see, that's people that just, they build their life on all kinds of stuff. What grandpa used to believe and what we all thought growing up and what so-and-so said and this and that and this is what I think. And you may look like you're okay until the storm hits. Oh, but he said, the man who hears my words and then does them. He's like somebody who digs deep. Everybody say digs deep. Don't take my word or any preacher's word for anything. Dig in here. Get in here. Prove it. See, is it there? Get satisfied in your own spirit that it is or is not the word of God. Dig. Everybody say dig. Dig deep. See, and found the rock and built on the foundation of the rock. And then both houses look pretty good in the fair weather. But when the storm hit. I said when the storm hit, and storms, you're going to see some storms in life. There are going to be some things, some trials and tests. When the storm hit, I mean, when it was over, that other house that had no foundation was demolished. The Bible said great was the fall of it. But that other one, when the dust cleared and the rain stopped and the wind quit blowing, it was standing just like it was before it started. Amen. That's a picture of you and me who are doers of the real word. Thank you, Lord. Uh, Matthew 5, are you there? Now we defined what prayer is briefly and who you pray to and how. Prayer is communion with God. Who do we pray to? We pray to the Father God and nobody else. Did you hear me? And how do we pray to him? In the name of Jesus. So I don't understand that. How, what do you mean I could talk to Jesus, but prayer specific is to the Father? How can you talk to Jesus and you're not praying to him? Well, could you talk to me? Does that mean you're praying to me? No. Do you understand? We pray to the Father God in the name of Jesus. We're going to go over this some more. You know, I'm not planning on rushing over this. This is important, right? We're going to be talking about this, I think, for months. The Lord says something different, we'll do it. But I'm telling you, we're going to be a praying bunch. Yes. Amen. Amen. And you won't have to wait till you come to church to pray. Yes. You're going to get up praying. You're going to go to bed praying. And you're not going to go around thinking, oh, I'm praying, I'm praying. No, you're going to find it the joy of your life. Yes. Amen. Yes. Praying. Yes. Communing with God. You'll hear it again. We'll go over it again. But let's go on today to this. Let's look at the greatest example of a prayer that has ever been or ever will be. Do you know who that is? That is the master, Jesus. There's never been a better prayer than Jesus. 
There's never been anybody that prayed more correctly or more exactly or more effectively than Jesus. He's our hero. Is that right? We grow up, we're going to be just like him. Right? Is that who you want to be just like when you grow up? That's not only possible, he's commanded us to come up to his standard. Did you know that? The scripture says in 1 John uh, 2, he that says that he abides in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. Jesus has shown us how to pray. So what we want to do is go to the scriptures and see what he said to pray about and how he said to pray. And then we're going to look at examples of him praying. Don't take anybody that you've ever met or known that you think is a great prayer and set them up as your ultimate example. It'll be shooting too low. And if you try to be just like somebody else, you'll wind up duplicating their faults. And everybody has some. Did you hear me? Don't you take any man or woman and say, no, they're my ultimate goal. I want to pray just like them. No, you want to pray just like Jesus. Right? And if you're impressed with somebody's prayer life, it's because to some degree they're praying like Jesus. Right? But don't take them as your ultimate example. Jesus is the perfect example of a prayer. Now, before we read this, before we even get into this, because to my knowledge, this is one of the very first things that Jesus said about prayer here. We're going to talk about it in this passage. But uh, before we even read it, how many are ready to make a commitment and say, Lord, whatever you tell me to do about prayer, I'm going to do it. And what you tell me to pray about and how you tell me to pray about, I'm going to do what you tell me. Are you ready to do that? Then just lift up your hands, everybody, and say, Lord, Father God, in Jesus' name, as a church, we love you, we believe your word, and we say, whatever you have told us in your written word, through our blessed Lord Jesus, we will do, we will pray this way. We will pray about these things. We will follow your divine instructions. Amen. Amen. Okay. Whatever he says to do, that's what we do. That's how we do it. In Matthew, the fifth chapter, like I said, to my knowledge, one of the very first things that Jesus said about prayer, and he knows what he's talking about. Matthew 5. And verse 44. Well, let me read 43. It goes with it. Matthew 5, 43. All the other was review and introduction. <laughs> and yet it was more than that too. Matthew 5, 43. Jesus is talking, right? Who's talking? The Master, our Lord. He said, you have heard that it has been said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Can you do that? He wouldn't have told us to do it if we couldn't do it. This I mean by mere right of the fact that he told us to do it. You can assume and be sure I must be able to do it because he told me to do it. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. 
do good to them that hate you. And do what else? And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. To my knowledge, one of the very first things that the master said about prayer, he said, pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. Pray for them. Boy, that's sure different from talking about them. Isn't it? That's sure different than holding a grudge. Right? And the prayer wasn't, oh God, judge them. (laughs) Make them pay. Uh Uh-uh. No. No. (laughs) You know, Peter and John, they came to a certain place and the people, they act like they didn't want Jesus to come to their town. Made them mad. They said, you know, Lord, we're thinking about calling down fire on this place. He said, boys, you don't know what spirit you're of. How many understand our God is love? That's who he is. That's what he is. We're made in his likeness and image. Right? We have his very own love shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. We are love children of a love God. That word love has been so kicked around. It's been so abused and so twisted until people, many millions in our generation don't even have a, they use it all the time, but they don't have a clue what it is. They love their dog and they love apple pie and they love pizza and they love their car and they love you as long as you make them feel good. And then if the thrill is gone, then they don't love you no more. And so people fall in love, and they fall out of love, and just a mass confusion about what love is. God is love. It's got nothing to do with flaky emotions, fluctuating feelings. God does not change. Right? He loved us when we were his enemies. When we were doing nothing for him, we were not giving him warm and fuzzies. (laughs) Jesus died for us and paid the price for our sins when we were at enmity with him. And as the children of God, that's the way we are, even with people who think that they are our enemies, even people who think that they hate us. There is no defense against love. People might think they hate you. I had a fellow one time follow me down the hall. This is years ago after a message I preached. He said, I don't like you. I don't believe you that you preach. I don't like you. I don't like your ministry. I don't like you. I said, you don't know me. If you knew me, you'd like me. (laughs) That made him madder. So arrogant. But I've had case after case of people that thought they didn't like me, and now they really like me. They didn't know me. Did you hear me? People assume stuff. And the devil is, I'm telling you, the devil, such a liar. 
I had a guy who was one of my students years ago in Bible school. And he, uh, I saw him like 10 years after he graduated. And he said, Brother Keith, he said, uh, I want to ask you to forgive me. I said, why? He said, man, I was so mad at you. I said, why? He said, I saw you in the hall one day and I spoke to you and you didn't even speak to me. I said, really? He said, yeah, you just ignored me. You just acted like I wasn't even there. I said, brother, I don't remember it. I didn't do it on purpose. He said, yeah, I realized that years later. He said, I was dumb. (laughs) He said, I just listened to the devil and I thought you were so stuck up and I thought you were so, you know, thought you were so amazing and a legend in your own mind and all that kind of stuff. And he said, (laughs) I said, brother, I had no idea that you thought I was rude to you. A lot of times, you know, I was going from one class to another, sometimes speaking four or five times in the same day. And man, I'm focused on what I'm supposed to be doing in my next class and didn't even see some things. Or I've had Phyllis and different ones tell me about healing line. Did you see that in the healing line? No, I didn't see it. I wasn't even aware of it. I was focused on ministering healing to them. And sometimes people are just so immature. They think the world revolves around them. And see, here's the thing. If somebody judges another person of being stuck up, according to the Bible, they are stuck up. Romans 2 says, whatever you judge somebody of, you're guilty of the same. And that's why it bugs them so bad. Did you hear me? Look that scripture up. Think of Romans 2. First couple of verses there. But Jesus said, love your enemies. Does that mean you always feel wonderful about them? No, it does not. It does not. You may have some really feelings to deal with. I mean, you may feel like giving them a piece of your mind and telling them where to get off. You may feel like slapping their jaw. You may feel like trying to hurt them in some way, but control your feelings. And don't yield to those feelings. You don't have to feel warm and wonderful towards somebody to love them. You love them in spite of the way you feel. Love is an act. Not a feeling. That's where so much of our generation is confused. They think love's a feeling. And if I feel wonderful towards you, I love you. If the feeling is gone, I'm sorry, I don't love you anymore. Well, you never knew what love was. Love is not a feeling. God is love. That love is in us. It enables you to treat people like you love them when you don't feel like doing it. You can act like you love somebody. Because by faith you have decided to. Right? Because it's the right thing to do. Because it's the God thing to do. You don't feel like it. You might not like them at all. But you can love them. In spite of all that. Even when they've hurt you. When they've done bad things to you. You can love them. Like God. You think God likes everything that's going on in the earth? Does God love everybody on the planet? Yeah. Does he love all their ways? No. Love everything they're doing and how they are. No, nobody loves them in spite of it. Right? You and I are called to do that same thing. Like our father does. Right? Now let me go over this a little bit with you. Man, there's so much here. When he said, love your enemies, bless them that curse you. The definition of this word, curse, literally means to doom Or to down. To doom or to down. 
What do you do about people who down you? They down you. They put you down. They doom you. What does that mean? Oh, they ain't going to make it. We had people tell us about this church. You're not pastors. What are you thinking? You could never have a big church in this place. This is just a little town. I mean, it's just 6,000 people and then Hollister, whatever that is. I mean, what makes you think you could have a church of thousands in a place like this? God? Yeah. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> that was pretty much it. <laughs> but when people down you, what do you do? Where's my little list? I'll tell you what. Mark their name off, buddy. <laughs> they don't believe in me. Okay, I ain't got no use for you neither. Mark you off my list. <laughs> they think I ain't going to make it? i tell you who ain't going to make it. <laughs> now, you and I have already said, whatever he tells us to do, but if we just did this one verse right here, it'd change our life. Everything would change all around about us. And I tell you what, if you act on this verse consistently, it will keep the doors shut to the devil in your life. I'm telling you, he'll just keep having to try to find a way into you and can't find it. Because walking in love and obeying Jesus keeps the doors shut to the enemy. When somebody puts you down, what do you do? You bless what Jesus say. They put you down and you what? You bless them. What does that mean? Bless them. Bless them means speak good over them. Right? Speak good over them. Speak positive over them. They say, well, you ain't going to make it. You say, well, I believe you are. It takes faith to do that, doesn't it? It takes obedience to do that. Nah, they put you down and you go, well, yeah, but you, they say, you know, I've had people write me letters and say, you know, you ought to get out of the ministry. You're just hurting the body of Christ. (laughs) Thank God, not many of them. (laughs) But uh, if somebody tells you like that, you know, you are the meanest, you're the sorriest, you're, you're the this, that, you say, well, I can see some good qualities in you. There is no defense against this. The Bible said love never fails. People cannot keep you from loving them. There's nothing they can do. The devil has no weapon that can handle this. I hate you. Well, I love you. Now what are they going to do? I don't like you. Well, I still love you. And don't say it in a patronizing, false religion. Well, I still love you, brother. (laughs) Trying to do the religious thing. No, it's got to be real. I said it's got to be real. It's got to come from the insides. You got to mean it. I didn't say you had to feel it. (laughs) Because there are times you won't feel it. Especially when people are hurting you. You don't feel like loving them. 
but you can do it by faith. And it's not fake. It's not put on. You've decided to do it. You've made a decision inside you. I'm going to love them no matter what they do. I'm going to believe for their best. Now what else did he say do? He said, do good to them that hate you. They stab you in the back. You send them an offering. I've done it. More than once. Amen. They hurt you. They malign your name. You speak good about them. Do good to them that hate you. Friend, there's no defense against this. There's no way this can fail. Now your flesh will pull you. Your flesh will say, I'm not sending any money to that rascal. Well, he talked about me. You've got to be kidding. I'm not asking you to. The Lord commanded you to. And you told him you'd do it. (laughs) So if you're not a liar, it's a done deal. Right? People curse you. They hate you, you you do good to them. Right? What else? You pray for them which despitefully use you. Now, despitefully use, it means to insult. And it means to treat abusively. To mistreat. Use despitefully. It also means to accuse falsely. Somebody mistreats you. What do you do? You pray for them. Is that right? Somebody falsely accuses you. What do you do? You know, boy, you can sure see the wisdom of God. God has already blessed this church, but we had not seen anything yet. I'm telling you, God is going to bless us. Mm, We're going to be so strong. We're going to be so rich. And some folk ain't going to like it. And when they, you know, some folk a while back thought they was insulting us when they called us that rich church. And we said, say it again. Say it again. (laughs) But there may be some things that are not quite as nice. And if anybody says anything about your pastors, about Brother Keith and Phyllis, you don't say You don't talk about Brother Keith like that. (laughs) You see this right here? (laughs) You talk about Brother Keith and Phyllis again. Mm -mm. I'm telling you, you can't do it. Did you hear me? They talk about us. You're sitting at a restaurant. You overhear somebody ripping me. What do you do? You pray for them and you don't say, get them, God, strike them. No, uh uh-uh, no, 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 no. You come to love, you pray to love, and you pray in love. Even our faith works by our love, right? You pray for them. The ultimate example. You know, all the things that Jesus' accusers and his persecutors did to him. And he prayed, Father, 
prayed, right? To the Father. For who? For them. He's praying for them. They're killing him, right? Abusing him, killing him. And what's he doing? Pray, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing, right? That's our master. That's our example. That's how we live. That's not just a nice thing to think about. No, boy, that'd be a, oh, isn't he wonderful? No, that's his command. He told us, you do what I do. Nothing else is acceptable. Right? We can't, it's not alright to lose your temper and rant and rave. Try to get back at somebody and say, well, I'm just human. That is not okay. Did you hear me? People excuse all their junk being a human. No. Jesus did what he did as a man. Proving it could be done. If you fall short of that, admit it. Ask God to forgive you and then set your eyes on that perfect score again. Amen? That I don't have to miss it five times a week like this. I can go and go and go and go and respond correctly. They curse me and I... Come on, help me out. They curse me and I I bless them. They hate me and I, I do good to them. They persecute me, abuse me, maltreat me, and I, I pray for them. I pray for them. I pray for them. Now, when you grow up some and you think right and train yourself, it'll be an automatic thing for you to do this because you know what's going on. I had, when I was teaching at Raymond, I had a fella, I don't know, you know, what motivated him. He decided that I was having an affair with another woman and that he knew it for a fact. And so he took it upon himself to meet the students, there's thousands of them, coming in and out of the parking lot and tell them, flag cars down and tell them that he knew for a fact that Brother Keith is having an affair. He could prove it. Of course, never told him what the proof was, but he knew it for a fact. And uh, he did this day after day, I guess. And it, it finally came to me. Now, when it came to me, I was immediately alarmed for him. Did you hear me? Because I know God has made a commitment to me. He said, them that bless you. I will bless them that curse you. I will curse. There have been numerous times in the scriptures, read it and study it, numerous times in the scriptures where people stood up and spoke against God's anointed and died. Because what they don't realize is when you're speaking against God's anointed and they're not in sin and you're speaking against something uh, that God has ordained, he takes it personally like you spoke against him personally. Because in my case, I didn't call myself. I didn't anoint myself. Right? So he thought he's talking against me. Well, there was no affair. There was nothing resembling an affair. Somebody told my wife about that. And she said, well, if there was one, I feel sorry for her. Because it sure ain't much to it, she said, because I'm with him 99.5% of the time. I don't know when he'd have one. When he ain't with me, he's preaching. I prayed for the man. I said, Lord, 
have mercy on him. Because I know he's in danger. Do you see what I'm saying? He's in danger. And I'm not just saying that. It's a fact. And the more somebody consecrates themselves to God, and the more somebody fully serves God, and they're speaking God's words, and what they're doing is what he told them to do, the more dangerous it is to speak against them. God's merciful, he's gracious, but the worst thing that somebody could do is actually be successful in hurting a God-ordained ministry. There's a story told in Dr. John G. Lake's writings that is uh, very powerful. When I read it, it just stuck with me and I saw how important these things are. Our words affect things in the earth. And the Bible says we shall give an account even for every idle word that we speak. Why? Because the devil can use words. Even words you didn't mean to say. He can use them to affect things. And even though you didn't mean for it to have that effect, you're responsible for them. Brother John Lake had missionaries in Africa. And he was, uh, I mean, they're having a major move of God. Miracles, all kinds of things. And somebody told a lie on him here in the States and on his organization. And it was uh, supposed to be from somebody who knew something and they didn't. And this rumor got out about him and it affected that people stopped supporting him. Several people did, a number of people did. And what he was doing with this money was funneling it into these missions and these churches in Africa and other places. And it got so bad that uh, he, his wife, sold their furniture, sold their possessions, and liquidated to help keep some money going to these missionaries who were out on the field who had nothing outside except for that support. And it kept getting worse and worse because this rumor about him, a completely untrue thing. That caused some people heard it and thought, well, it must be true. And so they quit supporting, quit sending money to his ministry. It got so bad that he, uh, actually their furniture, I guess they sold it and took some of the last money of that and got passage to Africa and went to see and called a meeting of the missionaries. And they told them, they said, uh, uh, we're sorry, but there's no money. We've done everything we know to do. And, uh, and reading that, you could see that they might not have some light. That you and I have today on this subject. By some of the things they said. But they were walking in all the light they had. And they said you know I guess all we know to do is uh, tell you that you know there's be no more support. And you better take what you've got now so you can get home. We don't want you stranded out here with nothing. And we're telling you that's all we know to do now. And the missionary said well would you and Miss Lake step out and. And let us talk about this among ourselves just a minute. And so they did. And they came back, called them back in. And they said, uh, Dr. Lake, God called us here. He sent us here. And we understand what you're saying, that there's no money. And uh, we understand that, you know, without outside help and food, we could starve to death out here. And uh, we just want you... If we do, that you'd preach our funeral. And we're glad to give our all for Jesus. Now, you know, some of that is not necessarily faith for provision. 
But you've got to honor that commitment, man. I tell you what, you've got to honor that. And over the course of the next months, I forget the exact number, he buried, I don't know, was it a dozen or two dozen of them? Just simply didn't have enough decent food to sustain their mortal body. Now somebody's going to answer for that lie. You hear what I'm saying? Somebody is going to give an account and be responsible for perpetuating lies that cost support for those ministries. Well, friend, how watchful we ought to be of our words and how they affect somebody to influence them. I know, especially as you gain more influence, a lot of times I'm out on the field and preachers will ask me, what about brother so-and-so? They're thinking about having them in to do a meeting. I've got to watch what I say. Did you hear me? Sometimes just grunting. Well, I could just say that. It means they probably wouldn't get to meet him because they respect what I think about it. Hear what I'm saying? And then if I did, then uh, all the support they didn't get, the meeting they didn't have, the people that didn't get saved in the meeting, the healings that didn't happen, who's responsible for that? You see what I'm saying? Well, it's not just a preacher deal. Every one of us has the same responsibility. Well, friend, watch, especially watch, that you don't say things that taint people in other folks' eyes. Make them think less of them in any shape. Oh, watch it, watch it, watch it. Don't say things that causes people to think less or see somebody in a lesser light. It can be very, very costly. No, when people curse you, <laughs> you bless them. You just say, well, brother, I want to see you do good. You're going down. They say, well, I'd like to see you go up. I'd like to see you increase. Yes. Amen. Amen. Somebody hates you. What do you do? You do good to them. Do good for them. Help them out. Show up in something. Surprise them. Maybe they'd think you're the last person they'd see showing up. And there you are with a big smile going, can I help you? <laughs> I had a fellow one time, somebody was cornering him, you know, trying to get him to talk bad about me. What they didn't know is I'd just paid off his car. <laughs> well, he wasn't very cooperative with him. He said, well, I think he's a pretty good guy. <laughs> he wouldn't get with him. <laughs> Said out loud, love, love never, never fails. fails. People mistreat us. They tell lies about us. That last thing he said do, what did he say do? Pray for them. Stand on your feet, please. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.